0: is power
1: All evangelism should be done to edify or build up, not tear down. And I think what goes on is that in the name of evangelism, a lot of Christians have decided that they're going to tear a lot of people down, which is not God's desire or design. God does a transformational work in someone's life, but God is an awesome physician. God is a surgeon with the most extraordinary bedside manner.
0: Evangelism should never be a way that you tear other people down, but sadly, that's common. Too many people are telling the good news of salvation while shaming those who don't believe it. Pastor Daniel wants to remind you in his message today that this isn't the way Jesus went about saving people, and it can't be your tactic either. After all, God is the great physician interested in healing the wounds of sin, not inflicting them. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 28 as he begins his message, Strategies and Tactics.
1: So, we're talking about evangelism. We're doing this little mini series that we're actually ending today. So, if you're just joining us at the tail end of the series, I want to kind of tell you where we've been. And we've been talking about this idea of evangelism. We call this series The Gift because people give gifts at Christmas time because God gave us the ultimate gift, and that is the gift of Himself in the person and work of Jesus. And so people give gifts. It's not really because of uh good old St. Nick or Santa Claus, even though we, we dig those guys, we're helpful, we're grateful for their ministry and their work, you know, but, but realistically, the reason that people give gifts is because Christmas is the time that God gave his own son. Right? When Jesus, as we celebrate when Jesus was born into the world. And so we wanted to take a little bit of time and explore this idea of what is evangelism. Now, evangelism, that word literally means the good news or the telling of the good news. And all of us have an amazing habit of wanting to share good news with people, don't we? Did you ever get a puppy? Right? What do you do? You take 97 pictures of the puppy. I mean, I remember when we had kids, we told everyone we had kids, of course. We even took pictures of the kids' first poop. I mean, it's the weirdest thing, but it's like, it's the first little, little Maconian stool, and it's so cute and everything, and you take a picture of that. It's totally, I mean, why? Anybody know why? I don't know why. It's totally awkward, but it's like, you're so excited. Like, see, we have this tendency to want to share about the things that we get excited about. And so... Really, the whole thing with evangelism is that when a person is excited about who the Lord is and God is doing a work in their life, that has to come out. You have to share about it. And so we wanted to take time and study. Now, we've already looked at what we call the foundation of evangelism, which is where it comes from. And you can check that out in our sermon archives. And then we looked at the function of evangelism. What is evangelism seeking to accomplish? And there's a lot of things that evangelism is seeking to accomplish. Then we started looking at the form of evangelism. And today, as we close out this series, I'm going to do something that I'm calling strategies and tactics. So in some ways, I talked to a number of people who are like, we just really want to hear the strategies and tactics. And so, but I wanted to lay the foundation for it. Now, by way of scripture... We've really been basing our entire series around what we call most commonly the Great Commission. So if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, the very, very end of Matthew's gospel, just those last three verses, verses 18, 19, and 20 at the end of Matthew's gospel. If you turn about two-thirds of the way through the book, you get to what we commonly call the New Testament, which talks about the story of Jesus. And the very first book in there is Matthew. So if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you find any of those four dudes' names, just go to the first one of their names. There's Matthew's right there. And chapter 28, very last chapter. Jesus says this. In the middle of verse 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now you notice the two awesome promises that we have here is first, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And what that means is in you and I seeking to share the good news of Jesus, it's a can't lose proposition because all authority has been given to Jesus. So the only people who get saved are the people who Jesus draws to himself. And so you don't have to do the work on your own. All authority is Jesus. And now I know a lot of people, when you start talking about evangelism, they say, well, I'm scared. And really, when was the last time you told someone about Jesus and they pulled out a gun and fired it at you? (laughs) Has it ever happened to you? Never happened to me. I've been trying to do this for a long time. So so we have a tendency to be scared. You have to remember all authority is Jesus's. So nothing's going to transpire that the Lord isn't have, doesn't have authority over. That's important. And then also at the end of verse twenty, it says, "And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age." That's an awesome promise, isn't it? Because you know what it means when "And lo, I am with you always, even in the end of the age." Does that mean Jesus is always with you? Absolutely. What does "always" mean? Always. You guys are Bible scholars. You must have a great pastor. I just, I just get. But no, always means see Jesus is saying, "I'm always going to be with you, even till the very last of days. I'm going to be with you." So the work that we're doing is completely grounded in the person and work of Jesus, His authority and His abiding presence. So every time you go to share the good news of Jesus with somebody, Jesus is with you. But then the work that we're supposed to do is to make disciples. And if you have been tracking with us, I made the point that there's four great actions in the middle of the Great Commission. Going, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Now, in the Greek language, one of these is what they would call an imperative, and then the other three are what you would call a subordinate clause, right? So an imperative, this is the most important thing. This is the commandment. And then these three undergird and push that thing forward. And so it's like, if I tell Obadiah, my son, I say, clean your room, right? Make your bed, put your dirty clothes in the hamper and pick up everything off the floor, right? The imperative is clean your room. And you do that by doing these three things. Right, So the imperative is to make disciples, to connect people with Jesus. And the only way someone becomes a disciple of Jesus is if they make a decision to become a disciple. In the same way, the only reason that you go to college is you make a decision you're going to go to college and you apply to go to college. See, there's a decision that leads to the experience of this relationship. And the desire to see people make a decision to become a disciple of Jesus is evangelism. And we make disciples by baptizing and teaching, and we do it as we go. So, as you're going, we want you to be sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, the the Lucerne Conference on World Evangelism actually defines evangelism this way: it's the whole gospel being proclaimed by the whole church to the whole world. That's pretty deep, isn't it? I'm gonna read it again for you. It's the whole gospel being proclaimed by the whole church to the whole world. Now, some people have wanted and talked about adding an addendum to that, that it's the whole gospel being preached to the whole person by the whole church in the whole world. The idea is the good news of Jesus is a holistic endeavor, right? We, we don't, we share the whole good news, all the details of it. We share it with the whole person Spirit, soul, and body. And if you were with us when we looked at the function of evangelism, we saw that evangelism, it's about seeing people get reconnected with Jesus, but it's also about healing what has been broken in the cosmos, all these different things. And if you missed all that, you want to check it out. It's fascinating. The reconciling of relationships. Part of the gospel is actually if someone is starving, you feed them. If they're naked, you clothe them. That is part of evangelism. We don't often think about it that way, but it is because it's the whole gospel for the whole person. The totality of a human being. And it's done by the whole church. Not just some people. Now we know in the Bible that there are the gift of evangelism. You read about that in Ephesians 4.11. That there's people who have unique gifts of evangelism. But evangelism is not something that is done by personality type. It's actually just done by obedience. All of us are called to be vehicles through which the good news of Jesus enters the world. All of us are. Whether you're gregarious or... Or whether you're quiet Whether you're extroverted Or whether you're introverted We're all called to this And we do it in the whole world So evangelism is not only local Or it's not only across cultures It's all of it God is concerned for every single living soul He created and sustains every single person who's alive today And God cares deeply about everybody And so with this I'm going to give you a bunch of strategies and tactics. And so if you'd like to take notes, you might enjoy this. Some of these are fun. Before we get started, what I would say is first, all evangelism should be prayer drenched. Because nobody comes to Jesus unless the Father draws them. And so we need to make sure that anything that we're doing, we are people of prayer. That our lives are prayer-drenched. That we're saying, Lord, I desire more than anything not to get my will done in heaven, which is how a lot of us think about prayer, but prayer is linking up hands with God to get his will done on earth. Right? That's what prayer is about. It's not, I'm giving God my Christmas list or my laundry list of the things that I want changed. It's saying, Lord, what are you up to, and how can I be a part of what you're up to? Right? So we need to be prayer-drenched. Second, I think all evangelism should be seeker-sensible. And what that means is the person who you're sharing with, you always want to begin with where they are, not with where you are. See, the whole idea of Jesus' birth, the incarnation, is God didn't say, well, in order for me to save you, you know, you got to become like me. He said, I'm going to become like you. I'm going to meet you where you are. And if you look at your own walks with Jesus, didn't he meet you right where you were? Like, he didn't say, well, you got to get all this stuff cleaned up and then I'll talk to you. He met you right where you were. And so we always need to begin with the loving the person who we're seeking to share with by really loving them and meeting them right where they are, not expecting them to be somewhere where they're not. And then also, all evangelism should be done to edify or build up, not tear down. And I think what goes on is that in the name of evangelism, a lot of Christians have decided that they're going to tear a lot of people down, which is not God's desire or design. God does a transformational work in someone's life, but God is an awesome physician. God is a surgeon with the most extraordinary bedside manner. How many of you here have had God absolutely revolutionize your life? He did a good job, didn't he? It's like God has this amazing way of completely changing who we are, but not in a way where you're like, man, he is like taking a chainsaw to do surgery. You know, God's got laser-like precision. And so, because God is a thoughtful and a kind physician in the hearts of humanity, we need to make sure that in representing Him and sharing the good news, we are also doing the same thing. We're not trying to tear people down. We're trying to connect them with Jesus so Jesus can do the work He wants to do. So, here's some strategies and tactics. First, you can drag people to church. I'm not kidding, it's a great strategy. Because here's the deal. If you go to a good church, and I pray that those of you here feel like you do, you know, the pastors there will proclaim Jesus, proclaim the word of God, and give people an opportunity to respond to that. To me, that's what a good church does. The Bible is open, the scriptures are taught, Jesus is lifted up, and people are given an opportunity to respond. And so dragging people to church is a great strategy for evangelism if you go to a church where Jesus is spoken about, the word is taught, and people are given an opportunity to respond. Because you know if you drag them to church with you, they're going to have an opportunity to receive the gospel. And so I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, I dragged everyone I knew to church with me. Because I didn't know how to share the gospel, and I was learning as I was at church, but I knew if I brought them to church... The pastor would do it, you know? And so in some ways, and and we've said it here, that that we're all called to evangelism, but we have promised you here at Crossroads that if you engage with the people around you, your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends, people at at the ball field or wherever you meet people, right? And you invite them to come to Crossroads, that we promise to proclaim the gospel here and persuade people to believe it. So if you... Engage and invite people every single time someone is here at crossroads they will hear the gospel will be proclaimed and people will be persuaded to believe it now we can't make anyone believe it but that's a promise that we make so I think dragging people to church is a great strategy right because the beauty is, is if you and I say drag people to church with my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek but how many of you got dragged to church before so it works you know, it works. And so, and listen, I have to drag my kids to the dentist, but they do need to get their teeth cleaned. You know what I mean? And so I have to drag my kids to school, but they do need to learn. And so sometimes it's not a bad thing to drag. And if you were here tonight and you got dragged to church, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, thanks so much. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But the reason someone dragged you here is because they love you and they want God's best for your life. And even if you don't agree with what they believe in, at least they love you enough to care about you enough to say, come on, just come check this out. So dragging people to church. Second, another strategy is you can preach the law. Let me explain this to you. Some people call this the Ten Commandments approach. This has been re- made really popular more recently by Ray Comfort, if you've ever watched it. And the idea of this is, is you, you're engaging people based on the law. Right, And so the idea would go something like this. How many times have you heard someone say, well, I'm a good person? right? When you talk to people, I am a good person. So right there you say, oh, you're a good person. Eh? And so you start preaching the law. You said, okay, so um, have you ever murdered anybody? Because right? that's one of the Ten Commandments. And they say, no, oh, no, I never murdered anyone. Well, have you ever hated anybody in your life? Well, sure. Well, according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, that makes you a murderer because you've murdered him in your heart. Have you ever committed adultery? Committed adultery, I'm not even married. Right? No, I've never committed adultery. Well, have you ever lusted after somebody? Well, yeah, everybody has. Well, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 said that if you've lusted, then you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever stolen anything? No, no, I never stole anything. You mean you never, like, took a pen from your job? You never kind of fudged something on your tax return? Well, yeah, everybody does that. Well, listen, I asked you three questions. We found out you're a lying, stealing murderer. <laughs> It's a pretty good strategy, isn't it? Because, like, everybody falls at some point in the law, and so you're pressing again. That's a good one, isn't it? You can see you can have a lot of fun with that with people. And so, but what you're doing is you're using the standard of the law, that righteous requirement of the law, and, and when someone says, I'm a good person, you say, well, are you really? You know, and the problem with that question, are you really, is that the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you ask enough questions... Everybody is bound to fail and have failed in some ways. And then, of course, you might say, well, so, Pastor Daniel, if we're doing strategies and tactics, what happens if you get all the way to the end and then somebody says, well, I've answered every question. I've never done anything wrong. And then you say, well, you know what the problem is? Is that you're prideful and deceived because the Bible says that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So either way, you have an avenue in there. So preaching the law, it's a great strategy and tactic. Now, I just, you know, all these things on here I've tried in different ways. So I have experience with all these things and I've, I love seeing what works. And so here's another one. I call this, you got to throw the bomb. Throw the bomb. You never heard this one before, right? So part of my personality, I had a friend tell me, Daniel, you're like a grenade thrower. Where what I do is like, you know, and I've never thrown a grenade before, but what I've been told is you pull, pull the pin and you lob the thing in there and then you watch everything explode. And so my personality, I kind of enjoy that kind of thing. So... Throwing the bomb is being like, you know, when someone's just like, well, you know, so what, you know, why should I believe in Jesus? Well, if you don't, you're going to hell. That's throwing a bomb in the middle of a room because that there's going to be a response to that. But you can throw the bomb in There's a million bombs to throw. You know what I mean? And so the idea is, is you say something deeply provocative and you see how things start to shake out. And, in case you haven't noticed, Jesus loves the throw the bomb technique. When you read the Gospels, you realize all the time Jesus has this amazing ability to say something where everyone's like, "Did he really say that?" Like, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no place with me." That's a throw the bomb technique because everyone's like, "I'm looking. That's disgusting." Right? But the idea about throwing the bomb is it's not just being provocative. The idea is I'm saying this to shake everything loose to get the ball rolling so that we can start a conversation. And it is a great strategy and tactic. So, and throwing the bomb might not be for everybody, but it is a good one. Here's another one. You can tell your testimony. This is a very popular one. See, people can argue with you on points of theology, but it's very, Hard for someone to argue with you about your life. And so the ability to share your story has great weight when it comes to evangelism, because guess what? Everybody has a story. Now, here's what I want to tell you about telling your testimony. The big problem with people sharing their testimony is they really just want to talk about themselves and not about Jesus, which isn't a testimony. That is a braggamony. Okay? So a lot of times what people do is they just want to talk about themselves because we're self-centered and narcissistic. And so we actually don't ever talk about Jesus. We just tell all of our stories. And so we want to make sure that we if we're telling our story, we're putting Jesus at the center of it. So I always tell people there are three parts to a good testimony. First, how God prepared you to trust in Jesus. That's what I would call your before Jesus days, your BC days. Second, how you came to know Jesus, how God intervened in your life. And that's the climax of the turning point of your story. And then three, how trusting in Jesus has changed your life, right? So in doing it that way, what you're doing is you're keeping the message on Jesus and not yourself. Now, another big problem, and because we're doing strategies and tactics that I want to dissuade you from is those of you who have a sordid past, you tell your story where really what you're doing is you're glorifying your days of rebellion. Right, and if you've ever been in a room where people telling their testimony, someone goes up there and says, "Oh, well, you know, before Jesus, I did this, you know, and this, this, and then before you know, the next person, oh, well, let me tell you what I did, you know, and and it's like it's like a race to see who is more pagan before Jesus entered their life. And really, what goes on is that doesn't glorify the Lord at all, and that doesn't inspire anyone to believe in Jesus. Everyone just realizes that you were a lousy person, you know. And so, evangelism is not how lousy am I; it's how good is Jesus. So, first, how did God? prepare you to receive Jesus? What was going on in your world? I, you have a tendency to talk about the things that you were doing, but in the ways that they would left you feeling empty, right? And then how did Jesus intervene in your life? What happened that had you put your faith and trust in Jesus? And then finally, how has trusting in Jesus transformed and changed your life? And I really think a strong testimony is really on the, the end of that story, how Jesus has changed your life. Because the people you're talking to, especially if they're people you know, They've watched it. They've seen some of these changes. But you want to make sure that they realize that, it's, that Jesus is doing a transformational work. So don't be scared to tell your story. I tell people all the time, one of the keys is learning how to own the life that you've lived so far. And really, when you, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can own your life because Jesus has covered it with his blood and his grace and so part of like you can't pretend like you weren't there I mean you can but it's not realistic but when you say I was there right but God met me in this way and now he's got me heading in this direction it's very very powerful it's very very powerful so don't be afraid it's a great, it's a great strategy or tactic to share the good news here's another one handing people a track a scripture card or a bible it's kind of old school right but it still, works. you know what's amazing? Here in America, if you ever try to give people tracks, right? Normally they won't take it, right? But when I've been in Central America and South America, you hand somebody a track, they sit down and read it. It's like the coolest thing. Like, I remember when I was in Peru, and I remember, like, we're going to give out tracks. I'm like, nobody reads a track. They're like, no, no, you've never been here. Where they were standing in this park, some people playing music. We're like, hey, you know, and I didn't know, all I knew how to say in, in Spanish was Dios de bendigo, which means God bless you. You know, they taught me that one line, like just say that over and over again. You'll be great. You know? And as I went, I learned a couple other one-liners that you know made me sound real spiritual when I was speaking Spanish. You know, but you'd hand someone a check. you know what they do? They'd sit down, and start reading
0: it. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel had a lot of effective and practical strategies for evangelism to share with you today. There's a lot of ways of going about sharing the gospel message. Today you learned that they could be as simple as bringing someone to church with you. You could also just share your story. It's difficult for people to argue with your experiences. No matter how you go about it, make sure that you're always glorifying God. Hey everybody, Pastor
1: Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com.
0: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues to give you ideas for how to evangelize effectively. He'll point you toward simple things like sharing a verse or doing something nice for another person. Sharing the gospel message doesn't always have to happen with words. It can also happen through your actions. Everything you do in service of someone else has the potential to start a conversation. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Gift. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.